Hello. How's everybody doing? Praise the Lord. I trust you've been blessed as we've been going through Ephesians. And just to emphasize what uh, Frank was saying about going back to a passage. You get it on past, you can be inspired in the moment, but it's actually when you go past, when you go back and you meditate on the scriptures that God really begins to bring revelation. And Paul has really fed us well here in chapter 1. Is there echoing weird things going on? Maybe it's in me. Just lifting Jesus up, exalting him. The, the, the chapter is just saturated with the wonders of Christ and what he's done and what we have in him. And it gives us a glimpse into what the gospel is about. And when we come into chapter 2, Paul turns towards us. And he actually starts out chapter 2, and you. It's like it goes from Jesus, exaltation, to talk directly to us. And that's where we're going to start today, but I just want to open in prayer. Thank you, Lord. We just pray for our hearts, our ears, our minds to be open to what you have to say. Man cannot live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. We just pray for our minds, our hearts, our ears. Bless them, Lord. We pray that you would speak to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Have you ever heard the phrase, that person's forgotten where they come from? It generally implies that they're in some place of prestige or status or financial place, but they started out in a humble place. And they've forgotten where they've come from. And they sense it, there's an implication that they're kind of arrogant now, or they think they have what they have because they're all that in a bag of chips. They've forgotten. And I feel like Paul deposits three verses in the middle of this incredible exhortation around Christ. And at the very least today, it can, it can help build us afresh in thanksgiving to God. Because you will see throughout Paul's epistles, thanksgiving, thanksgiving, thanksgiving. Be thankful, be thankful. And sometimes we can stray and forget where we've come from. We can forget the source of what, of, of what we have now and what we have that we've not been given. And if the very least we can get this from this wonderful passage of Scripture, we're going to do verses 1 to 7. I'm going to jump into verses 1 to 3 here to start, and I think you'll get the idea behind what I'm speaking of. And you were dead in your offenses and sins, in which you previously walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them, we too all previously lived in the lusts of our flesh, including the desires of our flesh and the mind of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the rest. It's quite a deposit in the middle of such joy and exhortation and who Christ is, but I think it's important to remember where we came from. Paul does not say you were really sick when you met Christ. He does not say that you had some dire condition. He says that you were dead. 
before we put our faith in Jesus, of course, you're saying, Nick, I was actually breathing quite well. I don't understand. He's talking spiritually. Paul is talking, this is what it looks like, the earth outside of Christ in Adam. It is a graveyard. It is dead. Now, it's interesting to note that our spiritual condition of death is the reason that we die naturally. Paul is speaking here spiritually, but it's the spiritual condition that has natural results. The soul that sins shall die. Now, dead is dead again. I need to emphasize this. My father used to work in a morgue in Hong Kong in the 60s. Not sure why. Don't know much about my father. But I knew he worked in a morgue. And he said once that he used to whistle all the time. And not once did any of those corpses join in. Because they're dead. They're dead. Now, dead people have dead works. And the Bible will talk about dead works. And dead people produce dead works. Now, this, the dead works, of course, we know are through Adam. No offense, Adam. He's up, there he is. Spiritual Adam produces dead works. Now, the world is aware of the human condition. They're not aware of it to the extent Paul would say dead. They'd say that we have maybe a mild uh, case of COVID or to an extreme case of COVID. But nonetheless, they, they see that there's issues. And it's a really interesting passage in Mars Hill in Acts 17 where Paul talks to the, to, to, to the Greek, Greek people there about this unknown God. In other words, they've got statues and idols to every God. And just in case you're missing one, because you don't know, they've got a statue to an unknown God. And he says, to what you, have, what you guys worship in ignorance, I now make known to you. And he speaks of the God of heaven and earth. And he says that God has had patience with them, searching around in the dark for him, the ignorance. And he now proclaims to them who the true God is. And there is this sense of the world trying to put, you've heard the term lipstick on a pig, but it's this idea of trying to help the human condition with some sort of religion. It's like a mortician. I actually know a mortician. And it's a, it's a horrific job, actually. I, I had no idea of all that goes into it. But they prepare the body for the funeral. And they essentially try to make the body beautiful. They try to make the rouge on the face. They try and put foundation on. They try and make the body like it's alive and sleeping. And it's like that with religion. They, they, they try and dress it up. They try and make it look like it's alive. But it's not alive. It's dead. It's like weekend at Bernie's for all you 50-plus-year-olds. And it's like Paul has come by and, and, he, and, he, and all of these various religions are over the body and Paul puts his finger on the pulse and goes, it's dead. It's dead. Dead. There's no hope. You've seen those shows where they're all working on, to help somebody save from an accident or in, a, or in a war movie and then boom, when the declaration of death, everyone backs off because there's nothing more you can do. You were dead before you met Christ. This should help the way we even evangelize. We even talk to our neighbors, our loved ones, how we pray for them. It should influence us to maybe why they're a little hostile to what you have to say. Why they think you're foolish. We were dead. We go on to this, 
next part of the scripture here. We walked according to the course of this world. In which you pre- so, he, so he, he walking in the course of the world. This is Adam's life, Adam's desires, Adam's perspectives. We walked in. We got our vision from there. Our thoughts, where we in our minds, how we think. When we're in tough times, where the counsel we sought was in Adam. It was in in the course of this world. Maybe Oprah. I don't know if Oprah's still around. Forgive me. She was very big at one time. Whoa. That wasn't me. It's wisdom under the sun, if you read Ecclesiastes. It's wisdom under the sun. Or do we seek wisdom from above now that we are in Christ? But this is what we did before. If you remember Psalm 1, it says, Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the way of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers or mockers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. His delight is the word of God. His delight is God's perspective. His meditation is what God thinks on things. That is his delight. We used to walk completely opposite to that. According to the prince and power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. It's interesting, the devil is called the prince and power of the air. There's many conflicting different perspectives of why he's referred to as that. But it's definitely his sphere. The sphere in which we live in. And Jesus even says in John 12 that now is judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world be cast out. Even Satan is called the ruler of this world. It's interesting in John chapter 8 when Jesus is talking to the Pharisees. He says, you are of the father, your devil. Father, the devil. And the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own source, resources. For he is the father of lies. Now get this, because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. In other words, Jesus is saying to him, if I lied to you, you would believe me. But because I tell you the truth, you don't. It's an incredible, uh, really powerful statement here about Satan and what he's about. When he lies, he speaks from his own being. The ruler, and the prince of power of this air, of the air, and the spirit that works in the sons of dis- disobedience. And you see this in Romans chapter 1. Again, if you go and read it, you see the process of decay on humanity. You see the process of one giving in to this, this spirit that's at work. And we see it at work really clearly right now in the world. And we see that, that rebellion in humanity, the rebellion against anything of God, the desire to tear down anything that has anything that directs one to God. And of course, we know that comes from, it's, 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 it's satanic. First, First Samuel 15 says, rebellion is as witchcraft. It is seeking sources and power and vision outside of that prescribed by God. And that's what Satan did in, in Isaiah 14. Lucifer, he's called. And so it is for those in the world. It's just blind rebellion. And there's not much logic in it other than it's humanism and a rejection of God's prescripts. It's interesting, 2 Corinthians 5 says this, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. 
And I trust you know that scripture because you're not supposed to believe everything you think because we, we do get attacked in the mind. We do get attacked with thoughts. And, the, and he's saying here, Paul's saying here, I take it captive to obedience to Christ. Among them, we too, let's not forget that, as you get frustrated, as you start ranting about the things in the world, we too all previously lived in the lusts of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the rest. Powerful. Powerful. First John says this, 1 John 2.15, Do not love the world nor the things in the world. Do not love the world nor the things in the world. For all that is in the world, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the boastful pride of life is passing away. It's under judgment. And, but he that does the will of God abides forever. There's this lust, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the boastful pride of life. It's like Paul, John gives us a summation of what Paul is talking about. 1 Peter 4, 3 says this, For the time already past is sufficient for you to have carried out the desire, desires of the Gentiles, having pursued a course of behavior, lust, drunkenness, carousing, drinking parties, and wanton idolatries. In all this, they are surprised that you do not want to run with them in the same excesses of debauchery, and they slander you but they will give an account to whom, him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. We used to walk in that stuff. We used to walk in the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh. We no longer walk in that course, but we do, we've given over. And he says this, as obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lusts. Paul's well aware of the challenges that each one faces. We did that in ignorance, he says. But like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourself also in all your behavior. Because it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. Holy means set apart, come out. It's the picture of Israel coming out of Egypt. And it's often be said, it was easier for God to get Israel out of Egypt than it was to get Egypt out of Israel. And that's the whole process of the renewing of the mind and taking seriously the scriptures, and studying the scriptures, and memorizing the scriptures, and digesting the scriptures, washing of the word, the renewing of the mind, critical component to victory, sustained victory. I love the but God. But God being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our wrongdoings, made, in us, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. I mean, those first three verses are pretty intense. There's not much hope. It's a flat line. You know, but God. It's in all things, but God. What an amazing transition he makes here. What a desperate situation. Only God could step down. You know when there's something dire situation going on in the theater? Somebody says, there's a doctor in the house! 
He's the great physician, you know. He said that uh, sick people don't need a doctor. Remember they, the Pharisees accused him of hanging out with sinners? Sin is, sin is, is like leprosy. That's the whole metaphor leprosy is used as. Jesus come, has come for sick people, sinners. Rich in mercy because of his great love. Isn't that a funny thing? I was like, why would you do this, Lord? Because he's rich in mercy. Okay, I get that, but... but, but because he loves you. But, okay, but, but we're just so you. He can't fathom it. This is where the Holy Spirit, we're pressing into the Spirit. If you've not been baptized in the Holy Spirit, I plead with you to reconsider the fullness of what God has given us in the Scripture. To walk with him, to know him, to be useful to him, to grow in our knowledge and our revelation. Even when we were dead, think about that. We were dead in Adam. Far from God. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for me. And I used to say this on the street when I talked to people, so forgive me, it's a little bit crass. But while I was giving God the middle finger, he died for me. And it says he made us alive together with Christ. Do you understand the day that you repented of your sins and put your faith in Christ is not when Jesus died. He died 2,000 years ago. And you were put in Christ. And, and forgive me, there's, there's a, it's, a, it's a sizable passage, but it's so, when the Scripture speaks, let the Scripture speak. It's so eloquent here in Romans 6.1. As Paul's talking to this Roman church that is maybe ignorant to what water baptism is about. He says, what should we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may increase? Far from it. How shall we who died to sin still live in it? You're like, what do you mean? What do you mean, Paul? Died to, when did I die to sin? Help me understand. Like, what's going on? He goes, or don't you guys know that all of you have been baptized in Christ Jesus, have been baptized into his death? Oh, you thought, well, Nick, I thought that was a public display of, of an inward action. Clearly, baptism is more than that. Therefore, we have been buried with him when we were baptized through baptism into death, so that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be like him in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, do you know this? (laughs) You first got to hear it, and you first got to knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with so that we could no longer be slaves to sin, for the one who has died is free from sin. Now, there's a lot in there. I understand if it's new. If you've never heard that before, you're like, nah, you just... that's why you've got to go meditate in there. You've got to understand what Christ has done in the identity in Christ, that we were put in Christ. I have been crucified with Christ 2,000 years ago. Critical for us get hold of. I think a lot of Christians struggle and keep going around the mountain because of lack of understanding around what Christ has done. And a lack of understanding the identity we have in Christ. So rather than getting over our sins and getting on with the work of the kingdom, we're still going around the mountain and sin and past and stuff like that with not realizing all of that is done away with. And so the knowledge comes, and Paul's always going to exhort us with the knowledge. We need to know what the Bible says. We need to know this. But now he says, walk in it. How did you receive Christ? By faith. 
How do you walk in him? By faith. By faith. And, and the scripture on our tongue, when we're able to stand up and say, no, this is what's going on in my life, and quote the scripture, it's life. It's not quoting some guy on TikTok or, sorry, is it TikTok or the, uh, that's the kids one, isn't it? The Twitter or whatever. It's not like, it's got power. It's the word of God. It's not someone's opinion. It is written. It is written was on Jesus' mouth. It is written. If Jesus submitted himself to the word of God, so should we. I'm going to get to another verse here. That is so mind-blowing. It's, I try to example. In our house, we have adult chocolate and kid chocolate. Adult chocolate is expensive. It's generally Cadbury's from the UK. And then we have, she's right there, kind of junky chocolate where the kids don't care. Why would I give Cadbury chocolate to my children? You're crazy, don't they? They, they eat anything. There's no desire. There's no like, that's really good. Wow. Mm, 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 mm. And I just pray, Lord, as we gaze upon these truths, Father, we just ask for revelation. We ask that we'd be not only hearers of the word, but doers. We ask for courage. We ask for faith. We just take every thought, every thought captive to the obedience to Christ. We long to savor the word. We long to savor it with revelation. We long to delight in it. We long to draw strength. We long to be overcomers. We long to see the reality. And he raised us up with him. And seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So in the ages to come, he might show the boundless riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. And we need a full revelation to grasp that. You know, it says that Jesus, he does exceedingly abundantly beyond what we ask or think. He's restored us past what Adam lost. There, now, this is, this is where you're seated. The throne room. The throne room. It speaks of authority. It speaks of so many things. You're positionally, spiritually in the throne room. This is where we were. This was us in a graveyard. Jesus is far and above. When John, it says, and John was described as a disciple whom Jesus loved, and, you know, on the night that Jesus was betrayed, that um, he, he actually lay on Jesus' bosom. Like, he knew Jesus very well. Jesus, he did not recognize Jesus when he saw him in the, in the full revelation, Revelation 1. He fell as a dead man. John says it this way, he was from above as above all. We were dead. 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 There, 
Can you be sicker than dead? It's such a finality, dead. Put, put, put the body in a bag, zip it up, off to the freezer, dead spiritually. I know it's crass, I know it's harsh, but it's the truth. And Jesus came, and we know the story, and, and, and through his death, his burial, his resurrection, Jesus, through what the provisions of Christ, and through our repentance and faith. I remember repentance has changed your mind. You thought that cadaver that's been got makeup on was alive. It's not. You're not alive. It's repentance. Change the way you think about righteousness. Change the way you think about God. Humble yourself to the word of God. When you're at odds with the word of God and you disagree with it, guess who bends? Guess who knees? Kneels. When you have an issue with what Paul has to say about all manner of things, guess who kneels? You do. I do. That's repentance. When thoughts come into our head and contradict the word of God, we take them captive and say, get stuff, man. We don't take ownership. I don't even repent of them because they're not from me. I take them captive, those ones. But our minds need to be changed. They need to be shifted so that we go beyond just knowing what the word says. Look at this. It'd be one thing to save us. It's one thing to do what he's done, but to seat us in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. I'm just going to ask you guys to come forward. and We just stand together. We need revelation, Lord, on the finished work of Jesus. And I just, I just want to say to you, if you don't know the Lord, I trust that He's calling you. That's why you're here today. If you've never put your faith in Jesus, today is today. Do not take lightly, because tomorrow may not come. No one can guarantee tomorrow, the Bible says. And the highest killer, and I know you guys know this, the highest killer in Canada is death. Statistically, 10 out of 10 people die. You know that, right? And so there's a day coming, and none of us can guarantee when we'll see the Lord. And I just ask you to consider Jesus today. And if that's you, I'm just going to ask you just to stand and we're going to pray if you want to know the Lord. I know it's freaky, isn't it? I would stand and everyone see you. Yeah, that's right. Lord, I just ask if there's anyone here that does not know you, that you would draw them. That you would draw, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I'm just going to ask everyone to stand here. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.